Pray with me if you will, please. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and thank you for the privilege of being able to come into your house of worship, putting aside those things outside these walls and outside our heart and minds that would pull us away from centering in on you. We thank you for touching us anew and afresh with the power and infilling of your Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. It is good to uh, be back here uh, with you all in this parish. Uh, I said to my wife, uh, and this isn't a commentary maybe on uh, churches in Charleston, but uh, y'all got a lot of good things going here. And uh, we're excited to be back here to worship uh, with you all uh, this morning. Uh, someone asked me on the way in, um, aren't you the one that preaches shorter than Greg? And I said, don't most people preach shorter than Greg? <laughs> Think about it. Greg, it's this guy in a yellow sweater that's it's, uh, clapping. Uh, so, um, but uh, we, uh, Greg and the Kranz family and I have been friends since seminary days, and we were in San Antonio together, um, uh, and then now here in South Carolina together. So uh, long friendship, long uh, relationship with the Kranz family. The, um, the chaplaincy program, uh, I've been ordained about 30 years, and uh, about 24 years ago I started the Coastal Crisis Chaplaincy, for, uh, also for Highway Patrol uh, in this part of the state, and uh, we respond to about 1,400 calls a year, so when you go out today, uh, the ushers uh, will have a little brochure maybe uh, on what we do, so you can find out a little more what we do and how we minister outside the church walls. And uh, we've got a team that ministers in this part of South Carolina. This last Wednesday, I met with seven chaplains for Jasper, Buford County, and came down here to, uh, to meet with them. And then on the way down here yesterday, my wife and I were listening to the... Uh, she, she gets so tired of listening to police radio. But, you know, it's, it's not what she signed up for when she got married, but she kind of knew it. But anyway, we were listening to the uh, highway patrol frequency, and... They were uh, responding, the Highway Patrol was responding in here into Hilton Head to Shipyard, and uh, I waited to, to see what they said, and they said they had one, you might have seen it in the paper this morning, one person dead on scene, and the man had had a heart attack, and his wife was in the car. So uh, once I had that confirmed, I called the chaplain, or the two chaplains that lived down this way, and had them re- respond to Hilton Head Hospital. Uh, to be with the uh, widow, to try and support her, who and she's from Canada. So um, we get involved a whole lot of things where things have, uh, people's lives have changed and changed uh, very quickly, um, and loss of life has usually occurred. But uh, you know, I, I'm blessed in doing this, and it's a, uh, it's an outreach of your church and many churches um, in. The, this area of South Carolina. So as we look, though, at changing, we look at the gospel and all the lessons basically today tie in to the transfiguration. For the transfiguration is of Jesus. As he came and he was on the mountain with his disciples that he called forth to go with him. And in the uh, Christian calendar, we look at from here we have Christmas and Jesus' birth the baptism, and now we get ready this Wednesday to go into the Lenten season. 
and after that, of course, Good Friday, and then the resurrection. The joy is, is that we know these things are going to happen, and we know they're going to happen each year, and we remember them, and we appreciate what the church calendar and what Jesus has done for us as we now come and hit against the Lenten season. And as we look towards that, we are looking to remember his death, proclaim his resurrection, and await for his coming in glory. In glory. Death knew, Jesus knew that death was impending, but he also knew that he wanted to live life and lo- live life to its fullest. Where are we living our life? Are we living it as death is impending, or are we living life as, as Jesus led his life so that we can absorb the lessons that Christ has given us through the gospel lesson today. There's several things that I would like to, to draw out of this gospel reading that Jesus taught us so that we can absorb them. The first thing that Jesus taught us is that there is a necessity of community. How important it is, and Jesus showed us how important community is for him and was for him and needs to be for each one of us. For in verse 28, it says he took Peter, he took James, and he took John to the mountain with him. Even when he was looking to get away for his quiet time, he took people with him so that he could have community. Community is key. Community is important. Greg ends up going to the mountains in North Carolina most summers to get away, to reflect, and then to get ready for the next year as September approaches and the new year begins. I'm not so holy. I admit it. I go on a cruise. I mean, that's my getaway. It's the only way I can avoid the cell phone, the pagers, the call-outs of being out there on the high waters. So, uh, I mean, the, the first, Kathy and I, we were married a little late in life, and we, uh, the first night that we came home after the honeymoon, the pager, and remember that I'm on call 24-7, the pager went off five times between midnight and 4 o'clock in the morning. She started crying. No kidding. She didn't know what she'd gotten into. She still doesn't. But the, important of com- the importance of community certainly reflects back on the ministry that I have found myself doing for 24 years out there on the streets. We, uh, we're constantly doing death notifications, knocking on people's doors, and sadly changing their life forever. But as we do that, it's interesting that 80% of the folks that we go and visit now, around 80%, do not have a home church, do not have a home synagogue. And so we leave them in the care of a family member or a neighbor, but most of the time they don't have a priest or rabbi that we can get in touch with to give them that spiritual support that you know is so important or you wouldn't be here this morning. Two weeks ago today, I mean two weeks ago yesterday, I wasn't on call, but I received a phone call from the chaplain that was on a scene. It was a suicide scene telling me I needed to come and he told me who had died. And it turns out that one of my friends um, 
who was the assistant U.S. attorney for South Carolina, had committed suicide. So went there and uh, attempted to support the first responders. I actually probably needed some support too. Uh, my brother-in-law was his roommate in seminary for three years. I mean in uh, law school for three years. But then we were able to get in touch with their pastor, Steve Wood, at St. Andrews in Mount Pleasant to um, get him uh, en route to minister to the family. How much better it was to leave the Badger family in their care and that they knew who the Badger family were. And the only reason I'm using names is because it's been in the Charleston paper, so I'm not revealing anything. But how important it is to have a sense of community. We know that we're going to have tough times in life. They're going to come. But Jesus surrounded himself with community. And if it's good enough for our Lord and Savior, folks, it's a good precedence for us to have community and to look to see who can support us in our community. It was so good, in fact, that community, that in verse 33 it says, And Peter wanted to stay. He wanted to stay on that holy mountain. When you were a child, did you ever want to stay at summer camp and not go home? Wanted to stay because the fellowship with Jesus was so good. So Jesus taught us the necessity of community. Secondly, Jesus taught us that he will meet us in our fear. In verse 34, it says, And while he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them, and they were afraid, and they entered the cloud. He meets us, Jesus meets us in our fear. When my mom was on her deathbed, and she knew it, she was age 80, and uh, at the earlier service there was someone that knew my mom and came up to me, um, and uh, we had never met, but it was very interesting that uh, we were able to, to connect. But when we were sitting there in the um, intensive care unit of the uh, Baptist Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, my mom, uh, we had some very special time because she knew that her end was close. And she was a committed Christian, and she knew where she was going, and she wanted us to sing some hymns with her as she was laying down and had trouble breathing and we did her pastor came and he was a great minister to each one of us and my mother but as the end drew near um, she uh, uh, she said uh, two things uh, she said take care of Kathy my wife and I'm trying Kathy probably won't say I am but I am I, you know I'm trying and um, then she said I've never known you not to have a dog so um, we had been married about 10 years without a dog. So about two years ago, I played that trick on her, on Kathy, and I said, you remember what Mom said on her deathbed that we needed to have a dog? So one Saturday, um, we went and found a dog. And um, I, <laughs> Kathy still shakes her head that I played the death card, but I did. But Jesus met my mother in her fear and met us in our fear. As she began to s slip off, probably two hours before she stopped breathing, uh, 
she, uh, she had an interesting wave that, uh, that some people might have. Some people wave like this or whatever. My mom always waved like this. So with both hands, she raised them up and waved goodbye to us. And then she threw a kiss in the air. And that was the last thing that she did before she was pronounced dead two hours later. She moved from this life to the next, and Jesus met her in her fear. Whatever fear she might have had, it was a peace just watching her make that transition as we sang those Christian hymns with her as she entered into that life. What fears do you have? What fears do I have that we bring to the cross today? What fears do we want to lay at the altar and say, we've carried them long enough. They're yours, Lord Jesus. They belong to you. So as he came out of the cloud, he said, God said to him in verse 35, And a voice came out of the cloud and said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. So my third point, the need to bless. Jesus taught us the need to bless. His father, God taught Jesus and blessed him. So Jesus blessed his disciples. Then now we each are to be a blessing to others. Several years ago, there was a very popular book that was written by two authors, Trent and Smalley. It was called The Blessing. The thesis of it was to be a blessing to others because a lot of times we don't get blessed as we're growing up as children. And maybe sometimes we don't get blessed as adults either. May it be that perhaps today, we can even say to someone that you're a blessing. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for being in relationship with me. Thank you for being in our family. We look to see in our clouds of our life who we can be a blessing to because a lot of times we just go through the motion of life. And we need to look to get out of that motion of life and just going through the steps of surviving, but to see what we can do to be a blessing to others. When I'm at the FBI Academy at Quantico, uh, we take turns. There are about 120 of us in the country that are chaplains with the FBI. So when I'm there, I have a good time sitting in on their classes of these young-to-be FBI agents and uh, in the hallway just telling them, Hey, you're a blessing. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for what you're going to be doing to our country, in our country. And just like uh, the men and women of the services, what a blessing they are. But, you know, I bet if I sat with you or you sat with me for about two or three minutes, we would find a blessing for each other. Jesus taught us to be a blessing. Jesus taught us to be in community, Jesus taught us that he will meet us in our fear, and Jesus said that we need to be a blessing. 1 Corinthians 12:31, that was read a few minutes ago, said that he, that Christ will show us a more excellent way. 
we are taught a more excellent way because of what Jesus has done and does do for each one of us. There's a person that's helping us with the chaplaincy program over the last three or four years. His name is Tom Leonard, and he does strategic planning in the Charleston area. He used to be the uh, president of Procter & Gamble and the president of Samsonite, and just a good friend, and uh, Roman Catholic, uh, committed Christian. And his saying is, hey, you're good, but you can even be better. You're good, but you can even be better. Let's do a more excellent way. So he meets with us monthly to help us with that more excellent way. What is it within ourselves? What is it within our church that can provide a more excellent way as 1 Corinthians 12:31 challenges us to do? It will be that we're in community. It will be that we do away with our fears. It will be that we are a blessing to others as he is a blessing to us. For Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Amen.